Welcome to the Who Made Child Priest podcast, where we have conversations about everyday life experiences through the eyes of two people who just happen to be priests. We will share some of our personal experiences along our spiritual journey, and on occasion, discuss the issues of our time. Five, four, Ray. Oh, Shayun. What's going on, man? Man, I just got off the plane. I did 100 miles per hour on 45 South just to make sure I got here in enough time so we could uh, do this pod. Oh, man, I know this. So this pod must be important to you, man, because that's where them police be at. <laughs> <laughs> that's where them police be at, man. So you risking getting a ticket to come do this, man. This this good for the people right here. Okay, so maybe I exaggerated a little bit. I did more like uh, five miles over the speed limit. That's what I did. Oh, okay, I so... But that's me rushing, though. Oh, okay. So not so not really even enough to be in the uh, in the far left lane. Oh, I don't, I don't do that. I get in the far left lane. You say you don't? I said no. I said I will. I ain't tripping about all of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that you know that these unwritten rules of you know slow people being whatever. No, I'm I'm gonna get wherever I feel like I need to get at. <laughs> So how was your trip to Denver, man? What was all that about, man? What 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 went on with your uh white ancestors that make you want to go to Denver? Man, Denver was cool, man. So Colorado was state number 29 for me. And uh man, I'm a life path seven, man. So sometimes I just gotta go to the mountaintop so I can be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> so I can meditate with the ancestors. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Man. I feel that. That's what that'd be about. Plus, I'm a Sagittarius moon, man. I gotta, I gotta be on the move, man. So, you know, I like traveling and COVID forcing me to do more international travel, or excuse me, more domestic travel as opposed to international like I was doing. You know, I kinda kinda got a, accustomed to the whole domestic thing, man. So that was cool. I ain't gonna get carried away though, like to where I don't go international no more, but you know, th- this was cool. Denver is beautiful. Like it's absolutely beautiful. And I'm not going to lie. I was thoroughly impressed with Denver. Hmm. Like, thoroughly impressed, man. Like it, I, I was blown away. Like Denver is very, very beautiful. You know, I went to, uh, well, I won't say I went to Denver. Uh, I was in Denver passing through Denver. So I went through the Denver airport on my way to, Montana, uh, I remember somebody saying that Denver is the biggest airport that we have in the United States. And I also remember seeing a Masonic symbol at the Denver airport. I saw, I didn't see that, but I did see a, um, a Scottish Rite building, uh, like a downtown or off of downtown. So I did see that while I was there. And I don't know about the biggest. I've been in a, some pretty big airports. Like, I don't I don't know if it's bigger than, like, Tampa Airport. At least it didn't feel like it. I don't know. Maybe it is. Yeah, we're going to we gonna have to look that up and see, man. And if I'm not mistaken, the Denver Airport was uh, there some type of dedication, some type of stone that has the Masonic square and compass on it that uh, gives it the feeling as if uh, it was dedicated by the Masonic order. But we'll, we'll, we'll look at that and, uh, and find out, man. But yeah, I've been through that. I've been through that airport before. So what's your, where's your next uh, trip going to be to? The next trip I got planned is August 1st. Um, that's going to go to uh, take me to Panama. Panama. So I'm going to do ayahuasca while I'm there. I'm going to do a cacao ceremony, which is another form of plant medicine. So I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to do some other things. I got like a whole itinerary, man. I'm going to be out there. Some of you might be familiar with Dr. Aries Latham. He's a raw foodist. I think he's been a raw foodist for like 50 years. And um, he's been around like in that that whole arena with 
you know, the Dr. Sabies and Dick Gregory's talking about health for a very long time. So I'm going to go out there and check him out. You might have seen him on Instagram. I think he was on, um, what's his name, Shaka Bars, IG Live. And then, um, uh, man, her name's on the tip of my tongue. I, my black card about to get revoked. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, yeah. So Tiffany Haddish was at his retreat uh, during the pandemic. And, you know, he went live a couple times with her on there um, with him. And she went to go visit him. So, yeah, he, he's pretty well known in that world you know what i'm saying so i'm gonna go check out dr latham my boy i'm going with he actually has known dr latham for probably like 15 years or so he went to his compound about 10 years ago mm. so we gonna go down there and uh we're gonna check him out man we're gonna get healthy raw food and some plant medicine so you going all the way to panama to do drugs and eat raw food yeah, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really need no excuses to travel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. For real, for real. So, um, yeah, I'm with it. And, and we're going to do some other things. Um, you know, go to see some indigenous tribes and, you know, do all of that. So, it's going to be cool. I'm going to do some things that I've never done before. Well, I'll be there with you in spirit, man. But let's uh, y'all get into this episode, man. So, uh, so whence came you? Uh, how did you get here? <laughs> how did you get here? Uh, what was your uh, trajectory to uh, the priesthood of Ifa? How did you get here? Well, it all started back in 1978 when I was born in Hamilton. No, I'm playing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so, you know, I talked about, like, my childhood on episode one, uh, that made a believer out of me, kind of how I I grew up Christian, but I didn't grow up in the church. And, you know, I never really went to church much growing up. I just knew that, you know, I was Christian and I didn't really know what that meant. Um, but I can really, up until like I was, went off to college, maybe till I was maybe 20, 21, 22 years old, I can count on both hands you know you know how many times i went to church and and i'm being gentle with both hands that might be a hand and a thumb up until <laughs> I, was, I was about 21 22 years old even though i was i was christian but you know so if you go back and check out episode one you'll you'll get that background information so um but yeah so at some point I I graduated from college, right? And um, at some point, I, I kind of knew that I had to figure out this whole religion thing. Again, at this point, is religion, spirituality, kind of not even a thing, you know, at that point, or anything I'd heard of, really, at that point. So I, I knew I had to figure out the religion thing. So kind of when I graduated from school, and I was in school for an undergrad for about eight years to get a four-year degree. So I was, I was an old graduate. So I was trying to, you know, I was focused on, you know, working and getting money and whatnot. So I knew I had to get this religion thing figured out. So I'm not one of those, those type of ultra-masculine men. I am man, hear me roar. I don't need woman for anything but the cook art. That ain't my energy. Right. So, like, I knew that if I was going to figure out this religion thing, it was going to actually be a woman who was going to help get me there. Mm. So, I, most of my adult relationships were with women who were born and raised in the church. And when I say born and raised in the church, I'm talking about the daughters of pastors, deacons, reverends, things of that nature. Because I knew it was going to be, if I was going to figure that thing out, it was going to be a woman who was going to help lead me there. So I started dating all these different women. And then I start making the rounds with these different churches, right? Like um, I was going to Baptist churches. I was going to, um, now I'm, I'm, I'm biased towards Pentecostal. Because my best friend's dad, um, growing up, Pastor Curtis, you know, the community friendship 
was a Pentecostal church. So uh, I'm biased towards Pentecostal, but I was kind of making the rounds to all the different churches. And then I even dated somebody who had me uh, spend a lot of time in the white churches. <laughs> now, but it wasn't a white girl. No, no, it wasn't a white girl. She was black, but we went to the, we was going to this white church. Now, white churches, if you want to get some teaching, like some good teaching, um, you know, black people might kill me on this, <laughs> but I got some of the best teaching from these white churches. Right. Like straight out the Bible. This is the word. There was no extra. Like, this is what it says. Now, you had to go to sleep early the night before. So you could stay up. Because <laughs> when I tell you, it, it wasn't going to have no sauce to it. It wasn't going to be no sauce. It wasn't going to be no seasoning. Right. You know what I'm saying? But straight words. So you had to get you a good night of sleep. And the praise and worship ain't going to be about nothing either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> praise and worship ain't going to be about nothing. But the word going to be strong. Right. And an extra benefit is you're going to be first in line at the Golden Corral. <laughs> or the Ryan Steakhouse or wherever is your uh, Sunday after church ritual. You're going to be there first. Because you're getting out on time. You're going to listen. I think to be a white pastor in their uh, theology schools, there must be like several courses on time management. Because <laughs> when I tell you that thing moves like a well-oiled machine, right? you're going to come in, you're going to get two songs, you're going to get the word, you're going to pay um, some tithes, they gonna see if you're trying to get saved, and you are out. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying. So I, I did the whole thing. <laughs> one of the one of the things um, that I'm glad I did that for though is that I learned a lot about different churches. See, I just thought you know AME, Pentecostal, you know Baptist. I thought Methodist. I thought church was church, right? But what I learned is there's really difference in these these churches. Right. So I go, I'm dating a, a, another girl, a, a different girl at this time, and I go with her to her grandfather's funeral. Right. So we there at her grandfather's funeral, and you know how they always talk about funerals or home going and it's a celebration and all that. I, I really never had that experience. You know, Me everybody neither. wore black. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like sad and everybody's somber, this, that, and the other. Whoa, boy, look. Boy, they got the singing in this church. When I talk about, man, they was celebrating, I almost caught the Holy Ghost again. <laughs> I mean, I felt the Holy Spirit tugging on me. Right. I mean, they was, they was getting busy, right? Speaking in tongues people passing out, you know, the ushers having the fans, and then, you know, the ushers had a cloth, so when the women in the dresses, you know, pass out, you throw the dresser down, you know what I'm saying, show their goods. <laughs> All that was going, right? So I felt that Holy Ghost tugging at me. And what kind of church is this? This is a Baptist church. A Baptist right? church, alright. So, I mean, it's going good, good. You know when the song ends, but then it restart about four, five different times, because it the spirit is moving. <laughs> it, it was like that type of event. But then the pastor comes to the mic in the pulpit and he said, all right, all right, all right. Everybody settle down now. Everybody settle down now. You know, this is a Baptist church. So I was like, oh. So that means the Baptists don't get down like this? Because I felt like we was at a, a holiness church. Like, now nah, we, we don't do that here. You right. Know, that Corinthians, you know, no speaking in tongues without an interpreter, you know, that type of energy. Hey, cut all that out. You know, right. good old Baptist doctrine. I said, oh, okay, cool. This is what we own here. So, I'm again, I'm glad I had that experience. I got to see a lot of different things. Now, now during this time, though, I'm, I'm focused, though. I'm serious about getting this thing together when it comes to church. To the point where I even start paying tithes. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about all my 10%. Right. 
Now I was paying ten percent of of net, and I think you're supposed to pay ten percent of gross. But they don't really say that in the Bible, though. Right, um, they wasn't getting paychecks back then. Right, I don't know who made that up. You know what I'm saying? They they weren't getting paychecks back then. But I think I heard a pastor somewhere of a big church that you're supposed to get ten percent of gross, not net. Yeah, because you're cheating God a little bit. So I'm giving ten percent of net. But but that net was a was a nice net though. Right. But I really ain't really trust, you know, past like that. So I would wait and I would stack my those them checks up that 10% up till I went back home. And then I would go to uh my boy Pastor Curtis Church, you know what I'm saying? Cause he raised me. So I'd go over there and then, you know, I would pay my 10% to community friendship. Cause I know them was good people over there. Right. You know? And I knew it wasn't going to be no no Bentleys being bought. You know, I know he wasn't going to front no dope for no dope boys so they can flip it and give him some more money. I knew none of that was happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No one going to be gators and all that. So I felt comfortable with doing that. But um, but I was serious, though, man. I was real serious. Um, And then one day, I'm driving in the car. And I'm, and I'm praying. And I, and I thought I'm just thanking God for all the many blessings that he had bestowed upon me, you know, thanking him for, you know, my peace of mind and just all kinds of, I was in a good mood. So I was doing all that praying. Then, then I just started praying. I just started going in, right? Like just going in praying. And <laughs> you ever been somewhere and everybody got their eyes closed and their head bowed and y'all praying, right? And the praying gets so good that you open your eye and you look over to see who praying because it's so good. I always, I every single time, everybody that ever had their head bowed and eyes closed, I always open my eyes. I don't care what's going on, whether the praying good or it ain't. <laughs> I see, always look. See, see, I'd have done it if they really getting busy because I was like, who is they snapping? Who is that doing that? So I was praying so good that that's how I felt like if it was some other people in the car. Or if I was in a in a church somewhere praying that somebody was on open their eyes and turn and look at me to see who was that doing that good praying. <laughs> so I'm praying real good. In the middle of this good prayer, I say, I literally out my mouth, I stop and say, man, I'm probably talking to myself. Dang. And I say, uh oh. Uh oh. That's that ain't good. And I had to think about it. Like, wh- wh- where that come from? That's the devil. Then, right. It had to be. It had to be. But you ever, like, maybe back when you was a kid in school or maybe even as an adult, right, where you get this outfit and that outfit is sharp. Oh, it look good. And then you lay it on the bed. And as you lay it on the bed, you throw the pants down, you throw the shirt on, and you're like, oh, wait, I'm a killer. Right. And then you take your shoes, right, and then you put your shoes, like, up under the pan, like you put the pants leg and like lay on top of the shoe, like over the bed, and you like, ooh, I'ma kill him. I can't wait to put this on. And then you put it on, and it don't look as good as it did when it was laying on the bed. Like it don't, it don't fit you right. Right. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I was feeling. That's kind of how I was feeling that day in the car with that prayer and probably even before then, but I was just, I was intent on trying to make this thing work. Right. So, so a couple months after that, I decide like, yo, it's finally time for me to move from Ohio. Like I'm getting tired of the winters. I'm ready to go to Houston. I'm ready to move South. But, um, I couldn't really find no no gigs in Houston because there aren't too many federal government jobs in Houston. So this old man who I had worked with was like, listen, you can get down to San Antonio real easy. And I'm like, I do not want to go to San Antonio. Now, I ain't know nothing about San Antonio, never been, none of that. But I just had my mind set on Houston. So then he was like, listen, if you move to San Antonio, it'll just put you that much closer and it'll be that much easier for you to get to uh, Houston. So I said, you know what? You might have a point. A couple months after that, 
I had my job offer October 2012. I was going to go down to San Antonio and work for uh, or work at Kelly Air Force Base. And I had my date set for January of 2013. So I'm like, okay, bet I'm going to take this job. Now, before I take this job, at the time, I wasn't on social media. I'm like, all the people who I want to talk to, I talk to. I don't have any need for social media. But at this point, you know, my college and where I, and after I graduated, I just stayed in that same city. It was about an hour away from where I grew up. So I can get home anytime. But now I'm about to go all the way on the other side of the country. So I go ahead and I set up a Facebook account. So I set my Facebook up account, you know, get all my friends set up, all the people that I know from growing up and, you know, college, the whole nine. Now, January 2013, I am in Texas. Texas is hot. I said, oh, yeah, Texas is all right with me. It's January. There's a record. A uh, number of below zero days in Ohio, and I'm good where I'm at. So, again, I'm on Facebook, right? And there's a friend of mine that I've known since high school by the name of Diallo Morgan. Now, um, I met D through one of my boys, one of my best friends growing up, DeMarco, and they had went to the same church. Um, so I met D then, and then me and D ended up going to the same college. So I see D posting all this stuff about, you know, people aren't meant to eat meat. You know, we need to be vegan, yada, 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 yada. And I'm thinking to myself, dude has lost his entire mind. <laughs> like, there is no way we are, we are supposed to be eating meat. Because, I mean, we, we're supposed to not eat meat because I've been eating meat my whole life. Right. And I'm perfectly fine. And everybody I know eat meat. So he keeps posting all this stuff. So so one day I engage him, right? And I had this rule. If somebody is, you know, throwing out some information that kind of seems contrary to what you know, or just anything in general for that matter, ask them three questions, any three questions, and you'll find out really quickly if they're just regurgitating something that they read or if they've actually studied and they're really knowledgeable in what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that has benefited me to this day because most people have memorized something and they haven't really studied it. And you really worked that in your relationship with me. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Because like you alluded to on another podcast episode, you know, I, got, I like to check the temperature in the room. Right. I like to see who I'm dealing with. So let me throw out some stuff and see what, what they're talking about. So I asked him three questions that turned into about five, six, seven, eight, ten questions. And he got an answer for everything. <clears throat> now, that doesn't make him right. That just means that he's actually studied what it is that he stands on, which right. I respect. So I'm thinking to myself, he's absolutely wrong. But I appreciate the fact that he's actually studied these things. <laughs> right. So because I don't want my boy to live the rest of his life without the joys of a fried pork sandwich on white bread, I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to study it myself so I can show him the gaps in his argument so he can go back and enjoy eating meat. So I start studying this and I'm like, Hmm. The pro pro meat argument sounds ridiculous. All right. So like, let me go research the pro vegan argument. It'll be just as ridiculous. And then I can go continue on eating meat. So I go research the pro plant based vegan, whatever you want to call it, lifestyle. And the logic is like ridiculously great i'm just like oh wow this really makes sense now i'm not necessarily buying it right but i'm just like 
the, the logic really makes sense. And the pro-me argument sounded ridiculous. So I hit my boy up again, and I, and I ask him some other questions. We go back and forth. Finally, I say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try this out myself. I'm going to go vegan for a week. And if, and if I don't feel great in this week, then um, he was tripping. Right. <laughs> Only I'm a week, yeah. Huh? Yeah, just a week. Now, I don't have the logic to back it up, but if I don't feel it in the week, I know he was tripping. Now, I tell a couple of friends of mine, and them being competitive, it went from a week to 90 days. And I was like, yo, this is ridiculous. But okay. We'll do it, but we're going to start December 1st, and this is December 1st of 2013, and we're going to cheat for Christmas, though, because there's no way I'm not going to eat that good Christmas dinner, but we're going to have a <laughs> one-day break, right? and then we get back on it for the rest of the 60 days or whatever, because we were all going to Mardi Gras together, so we were doing it from the Sunday after Thanksgiving or the Monday after Thanksgiving all the way through to Mardi Gras to the day we were going for Mardi Gras with that one cheat day. Two weeks later, I knew that I was never eating meat again. I was that like floored by how I felt. And then at this point, I'm doing more and more research and studying. Now, I know y'all thinking to yourself, what does this have to do with spirituality? Right. Well, I'm, I'm asking myself that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Because it was at this point I said, hmm, I felt lied to. And I'm like, if they can lie to me about something as simple as the food I eat, what else are they lying to me about? Mm. So I said, let I am going to forget everything that I think I know. And I'm going to start all over. And I'm going to start researching and studying everything. So I went back and I started researching uh, history. That history I started researching, it took me back to uh, the slave trade. And then the slave trade took me back to Africa. And then when I got to Africa, it took me to start researching religion. So I started researching all these different things, right? And um, I'm talking about, I'm studying everything from textual criticism. I'm studying the seven ecumenical councils, the lost books of the Bible. I'm studying the Ptolemaic period in Egypt. The, writing of, the writings of Josephus Flavius. I'm going through all these things, right? And um, my brother, Michael Wilson at the time, was living in Houston as well. Or excuse me, he was living in Houston. I'm still in San Antonio at this time. So I'm talking to Mike about these things that I learned. So Mike would just kind of smile and nod his head in, in, in agreement and stuff like that, especially when I started getting back to history and religion and, and, and ancient Egypt and things of that nature, right? So every time I have, I learn some new stuff, I'll go to him. And then I have another fraternity brother of mine, uh, Kenny. I would go talk to Kenny as well, and I would mention the stuff to Kenny. Now, Mike and Kenny, besides being my frat brothers in Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, were both third-degree Master Masons. They were Prince Hall Masons. Mm. So I'm talking to Mike and on a couple of occasions, and he mentions a lot of the stuff that I'm talking to him about, he learned in the lodge. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, interesting. So then I keep reading, I keep studying. And as I keep reading I keep, and keep studying, I start seeing masonry mentioned. So then now I'm going and having these conversations with Mike more and more. And then I'll have conversations with Kenny more and more. So as I'm talking to Mike, Mike said, all of this stuff, man, a lot of this stuff I should say is, is thing that we learned about in the lodge. So I said, I might have to do that. I might have to be a Mason. 
<laughs> right? So one day I wake up, I said, you know what? I'm going I'm to be a Mason. And I start looking at lodges in San Antonio. And I said, you know what? Now I'm about to be in, in Houston real soon. Now I hadn't started looking for jobs. Hadn't started applying for anything. I just knew that I was going to be in Houston soon. So I talked to Mike. I said, Mike, you know the plan was always me moving to Houston. I'm about to come out to Houston. And I want to join your lodge. So Mike said, say no more. He put the word in um, to the brothers at his lodge. You know, I, I I did my paperwork. They do the, you know, the background check and all stuff like that. Next thing I know, said it's time to, to come to uh, get initiated as an entered apprentice into Purple Heart 205 in Houston, Texas. So I go down to get initiated as a uh, as a mason or as a fellow prayer. I mean, excuse me, as an entered apprentice. So I go in, I get there. And at the time, there were a group of guys who were entered apprentices who had just came in maybe a month or so before um, myself. And there was two other guys, two other uh, cable toads. And I'm in there. And again, you know, I like to check the temperature in the room. So I start throwing up this information. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Oh, man, I ain't never heard of that. And then there was one guy who, who jumped out and was like, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And then he started, you know, elaborating on what he knew. And I said, oh, that's deep. So I threw out some more stuff. And then we started having these conversations. So I go through the initiation. And um, there were meetings every other week. So I would come down there every other week. And... I'm throwing this stuff out that I'm learning to the group or I've learned to the group. And there's really nobody biting except this one guy, right? This one guy, he he really seemed to be on the same page that I was on and, and we was there to, to learn. Um, that guy is who you guys know as O'Shaun. So very quickly, he and I hit it off because we were on the same page. And a lot of times it, it seemed like we were on that page all by ourselves because a lot of the other people weren't in a fraternity. This was their first fraternity. So they kind of treated it in a way like a college fraternity. Well, I had already been there, done that. I was looking to learn. So um, time goes by and I realize, and, and I go up and, you know, uh, O'Shaun and I, we are... Um, we go to the uh, the next step to fellow craft together. And again, you know, he and I are talking all the time. We exchange numbers and he and I talk on the phone all the time. Well, um, at some point, O'Shaun and I, you know, we caused enough of a stir <laughs> into the lodge where it was like, uh, maybe we need to kind of take, take some time away because it didn't kind of seem like we were getting from that what we were looking for. And we probably were irritating some of the people at the same time who didn't share our same uh, thirst for knowledge, right? So O'Shaun and I, we kind of um, step away from masonry for a little bit and um, we're continuing to talk all the time. He goes on and I won't go too in-depth to, to his part, but he goes on to be a Rosicrucian. And I just stick to just reading books. And he's telling me all the stuff that he's, well, not all the stuff, but he's telling me a lot of what he's learning um, as he's going through the process of being a Rosicrucian. He seems to be really happy with his path and, and the information he's learning. So at some point, as I get interested in African history, I go get a DNA test through African ancestry. So I get my DNA test for African ancestry, pay the money, swab my cheek. And six weeks later, eight weeks, however long it was, I come back and I get my test results. And it tells me what tribe my maternal DNA um, comes from. And that's from the Tikar tribe in Cameroon. 
So now I started researching kind of who these people were and what it is they believed and what they practiced as far as religion was concerned. I found out that they were not Christian or Muslim um, in antiquity. They actually had their own form of spirituality and it was through colonization that they became Christian and Muslim down the line. Right. So I'm having this conversation with Oshayun, like, man, this is what I found out. And I was researching my tribe, and I'm hearing this, that, and the other. So Oshayun is like, man, I think I should do that. Now, Oshayun is an air sign. So, you know, air signs going to ask a thousand questions <laughs> first before they do something. <laughs> so we talk about this, about the my results and, you know, my whole study about this for about, I don't know, it seemed like months probably. Right, it was. And then Oshayun finally says, man, you done convinced me. I'm ready to do it. So <laughs> this is hilarious. So he, he buys his kit, he swabs his mouth, and then he predicts what tribe he comes from. <laughs> where, where did you say you came from? You A, the, uh, the Akan tribe? Yeah, the Akan. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I was just guessing. Yeah, yeah. He, he predicted his tribe. So he started... Um, looking at and studying the Akan tribe and the spiritual traditions amongst other things from that tribe. At that time, I now switch and I can't tell you what made me do it. Um, all I know is I was hearing a lot of negative things about voodoo. And in my mind, I said, voodoo can't be that bad. If the, like the way people are going so crazy on denigrating it something got to be up right so i started studying voodoo and i'm reading about voodoo and i'm like man this sounds amazing <laughs> like i don't know why people try to make it out to be you know just devil worship and evil and whatever black magic supposed to be whatever definition they done gave that whole thing i said man this sounds amazing I even go back to like voodoo practiced in uh, Benin and Togo. And then I went to uh, voodoo practice in, in Haiti. And I'm like, man, this sounds amazing, right? So I, I bring what I'm learning to Sam. And Sam, I mean, Osayun, excuse me. <laughs> so <laughs> I bring what I'm learning back to Osayun. And he was like, yo, I'm studying Cause at this point he done moved off a little bit of him being from the contrast. So now he's looking at spiritual traditions all over West Africa. Right. So I'm telling him what I'm learning. And he's like, man, that sounds exactly about all the different things that I'm learning that at least West Africans seem to believe or practice the same system. The only difference is language. And I'm like, yo, that's deep. So we go back and forth and we're having these conversations, right? And then um, one day, Sam or Oshayun <laughs> gives me a call and says, yo, hey, man, I went and I heard this dude speak. And um, he practices this tradition called Ifa. And man, like the stuff that he was saying, I'm just blown away. And I'm like, for real? He like, yeah. I said, you know, when the next time you're going to be speaking or when the next time you're going to see him or whatever the case may be, he was like, as soon as I hear something, I'll let you know so you can go check it out. Now, at this point, I have moved on to Taoism. And as a priest of Ifa, I can still to this day say Taoism is one of the most beautiful systems I've ever studied. Hmm. And I haven't read anything about a higher power mentioned in all of Taoism. And it just talks about you. It talks about nature and being in harmony with nature and things of this nature. And I just thought it was beautiful. And I was like, man, I'm going to be a Taoist. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to be a Taoist. Like, I found what I was looking for. Right. Because I was 
come into the space where, you know, athletes will win a, you know, a championship and they'll thank God. And I think to myself, God was not shooting jumpers. <laughs> God was not running wind sprints. Right. Like, you want to thank yourself? Like, none of that comes in. And, you know, rappers and other musicians and things of that nature, everybody thanking God. And I'd be like, but what about what you did? So when I get to Taoism and I see no mention of a higher power, it just talks about you and how you interact with nature and how being in alignment with nature and things of that nature. I just was like, yo, this is beautiful. I'm going to be a Taoist. That's it. And then one day as I'm, you know, studying about Taoism, I think to myself, man, this is a beautiful system, but I'm black. I'm not Asian. <laughs> like, I wish there was something that spoke specifically to me. Right. And you know how it says, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> well, I get a phone call from my brother Oshayun and said, hey, remember that dude I told you about? The E5 prelude? Yeah, I remember that. He said, hey, having something over at the house. I said, bet, let me know when. And I remember it was at the end of May. No, no. It was the end of August, 2018. So I go over there. I meet O'Shea over there. We go in. I listen to this guy speak. And what he said was everything I ever wanted to hear. Right. I was like, man, like this dude is amazing. So, you know, I introduced myself or no, he came up to me after he got done speaking and introduced himself. We had a good conversation and um, he invited me to come back whenever I said, yeah, I'll definitely be back. I loved everything that you said. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go back. So we go back a couple of more times and then O'Shea came to me and said, man, I got me a reading. I said, what's that? So he tell me what it is. And he tells me his experience. Now, everybody who knows me knows that I am hypercritical of everything. I'm, I'm not the type of person who's just going to believe something without thoroughly investigating it. So he's telling me his story, and I'm thinking to myself, like, nah. So you didn't say any of this. <laughs> like, nope. I said, in, in all the conversations that you done had with him, the times you've been over, you never once mentioned any other thing. He said, nope. So I said, man, my brother tripping. This guy done tricked my boy into this. I got to go get a reading just so I could tell my boy that he was tripping. So I scheduled my reading. Just like with the vegan thing, huh? You gotta uh... Just like the vegan thing. <laughs> see the people, see people that I talk to about different things, they believe it and they trust it because they know that I am going to go through that thing with a fine tooth comb. I'm just you're just not gonna come through and say some use some big words and all that, and I just be like, Wow, man, yeah, I'm with it. Nah, mm -mm. I'm gonna have to go critique that thing. So September 25th, 2018, I scheduled my reading. And my whole purpose of the reading was, first and foremost, to prove to O'Shayun that he was tripping. <laughs> and then maybe a distant second was, maybe it is true. But I was curious, so I went. The second thing he told me was as false as false can get. So I'm like, ah, yep, he tripping. Because <clears throat> he asked me, he had said something along the lines of if I had, if I ever had an issue with like sinuses, like around that area, whatever. And I'm like, nope. I said, okay. So he goes on, he gives me a reading. He goes on to say, um, that I had an issue with my thyroid. And I was like, wow, because I had just found out about this issue about my thyroid a week earlier and nobody else knew. 
or very, very few people knew. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. Uh, he went on to say how I would never be poor, which the way he worded it was so powerful to me because I would tell people like the story of my childhood and I would say, by the time I was old enough to know I was poor, I wasn't anymore. So the way he worded it was like, oh, wow, that's powerful. So he goes on to tell me a whole bunch of other things that there's no way that he could know was true. However, I was stuck on that second thing that came out of his mouth about the science thing, and and that was categorically false. And at the end, I couldn't, despite how accurate everything was, I couldn't get away from that that one thing. So when I asked him to clarify it, that's when he had clarified it and mentioned I had an issue with my thyroid. And there wasn't a medical fix to my thyroid. What it was, it represented when am I going to be able to do what it is that I want to do. And for those who follow me on social media, you will notice that that was a time when I started traveling internationally like crazy. Like for the next two years, I'm like four or five international trips a year for those next you know, two years. I go to my doctor and I actually get a, um, you know, get tested. They said I had an issue with my thyroid and they, they told me, you know, some herbs and things that I needed to, to fix the, my issue. And I never took one. I never did anything that they told me to do. And I go back and they're like, yep, you're cured. <laughs> the protocol worked. And I'm thinking to myself, like, nah, my Luo worked. So anyway, so I'm, I'm at the end of this reading, he asked me, do I have any questions? And I looked this man dead in the eye and I said, what I got to do next? Right. What's the next step? Because I'm in now. This is it. I'm, I, I'm down home. <laughs> right. This I want to do what you do. <laughs> I want to do what you do. This is Taoism for black people. Like, right. Let me let me get this. And uh, so he starts laughing. Right. And he was like, you know, he kind of walked me through the process of basically, of, you know, just learn, study, whatever. And if you feel like you want to really go deeper in it, there's a there's a initiating ceremony called Hannity Fa Ceremony. So this was September 25th of 2018. December 30th, 2018, I go through my first initiating ceremony. That's the hand of the five ceremony. And that's when um, it's a three-day ceremony. And on the end of that, those three days, you get a divination or a dafa that basically goes over your life's journey, essentially. It's a tool that you will be able to use that will help you walk through life. And I do that ceremony. The first day we give thanks, you know, we make offering. The next day you you pretty much are just in your house all day. You know, you're, you're reading, you're praying, you're journaling, things of that nature, but uh, not really communicating with people in the outside world, not really watching TV, things of that nature. Um, and then on the third day you come back and you get your destiny. Or you get that that dafa or that divination that I was talking about, and it was fifteen priests in the room. Man, you got blessed. Man, it was fifteen priests giving me a reading, giving me their interpretation of the odu, the this tool, this energy in which kind of governs my path, right? So. Um, I leave, you know, on that Sunday after I got my Ita feeling good. And I'm like, man, so I just start going heavy. I start going heavy in the reading and the study. Now, backtrack a little bit. When I was a kid, I loved superhero movies. I love superhero movies. Like where I would used to dream about me being a superhero. But not like I'm trying to save the world for the evil villain. I really didn't care about all of that. It was to be me more like in my neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
saving my friends from a rival gang of people or, you know, little stuff like that. Maybe somebody from the Ku Klux Klan roll up and I, you know, use my superpowers, I take care of that. Right. It was that type of thing, right? And I always wanted to be a superhero. I, I was an adult wanting to be a superhero. So I watched all the superhero movies. I love Star Wars, you know, um, into all that type of stuff, right? So few months after my uh, Hand of V5 ceremony, I'm at my Luo's compound. And I don't know, it, it was some kind of rituals were going on. It was a lot of things going on. I can't really say exactly what the event was. Because again, I'm, I'm early into this still, right? Everything is new. So I can't really at the time tell you exactly what was going on. But I remember looking at the women the women priests and watching them do their thing. And the first thing that popped in my head were, those are modern day superheroes. Right. Like these are real life superheroes. And that's what I wanted to do. All those years of me being a kid and watching the superhero movie saying that's what I wanted to be. At my Ita, my uh, Aluo's god sister, Chief Kolade said, I don't know how long you have known Ifa, but Ifa has always been with you. Now, one of the African ancestry tests that I took, or the DNA test I took, it says 30% of my DNA comes from Nigeria. Nigeria, the Yoruba tribe comes from Nigeria, and the Yoruba tribe is the progenitor of the Ifa tradition that I practice. Now, if you know anything about slavery out of West Africa, or specifically Nigeria, you would know that the most of those who came out of Nigeria and that were captured as slaves were from the Yoruba tribe. Right. Which with her saying, and, and this was even before I had my DNA test. So I didn't even tell anybody because I didn't even know that the greatest percentage, 30% of my DNA traces back to Nigeria. So when I got my DNA, this, this uh, uh, ancestry.com test that said 30% of my DNA test, I remembered her words of, I don't know how long you have known Ifa, but Ifa has always been with you. And I was like, wow, all those, those years growing up as a kid, wanting to be a superhero, that was my higher self saying that, hey, this is what you came here to be. Now, you may be thinking you need to get bit by a radioactive spider or fall down a cave filled with bats. <laughs> but at some point in your life, you are going to have that experience where you're going to find out how you can transform to actually be a superhero. Right. So that's my journey. Right. And you were always that. You were, uh, like you say, that was your higher self telling you, basically telling you, you are a superhero. You just have to find that, that part of you. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And when I had my Ita at um, my initiation for priesthood, I was told that um, I would be someone who would work well with Ifa. So it was just one of those things, again, confirming what I knew or what I felt as a child. So I look at kids and the things that they say differently now than I did then. Right. Because we look at kids like they're kids, they don't really know anything. But they know a lot more than we give them credit for. They know everything. Right. It's a blessing for us to uh, have come to this now, even though I know we both wish that we could have came to uh, Ifa a lot earlier. But uh, it's a blessing for us to come to this point now and for us to be having young kids, young, young kids to where we can pay attention now 
listen and cultivate them into the superhero that they've come here to be. It's a blessing. Absolutely. And, you know, I used to struggle with that. Like, man, if I would have found this at 18. But at my ETA, my very first one in 2018, Baba said um, that I wasn't supposed to come into EFI until later in life. Right. We wasn't ready. You know, but see, I think it's more than not being ready. I think it was we had to become who we were before EFI to be effective in EFI. Right. Right. We had a we had to, uh, a road to travel. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I believe it's kind that. Of, yeah. So I I had to learn to to stop having those thoughts of woulda coulda shoulda and you know just be proud and be happy with with the my journey as well because it was beautiful right right it was beautiful right yeah man so do you um so you went you went a lot through uh these different uh denominations of uh Christianity before uh, coming through uh, Freemasonry and Taoism and then finally uh, in Vodun and finally finding uh, Ifa, would you have changed anything? No. No. Today I can look back and say no I would have changed anything because by changing one thing no matter how small there's no telling how I would have set off a chain of events you know, um, no, so yeah, I, I wouldn't have changed anything at all. You know, not one bit of it. You know, so it, it was all, it was literally a stair step. Like each situation had to be what it was for the next situation. Right. You know, so right. I always say, man, in order for you, to me, to be so pro something, I feel like you have to know something about the alternative. Exactly. Like if you haven't touched, studied, contemplated other things, man. Like I, I, I don't. To me, you're missing out. Right, right. That's why I, uh, I bought the, the Satanic Bible, because I feel exactly the way you do. Uh, that's why I bought the, the Bhagavad Gita and the Quran and the Vedas and the Upanishads and all these different uh, studied the, the Sufis and all of these different things because, you know, I wanted to get deep into uh, spirituality, into religion, whatever you want to call it, and compare them and come to my own conclusion as to where I wanted to be or find myself in. It's crazy, or I, it's crazy that I find myself in Ifah after all of that, and my story is similar to yours. So, uh, but we'll get into my story on the next episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to to hearing about that. Well, I, I shouldn't say I'm looking for. I, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing if there's some other details that I don't know. Right. <laughs> we we've had this conversation um many times between the two of us. So right. um but yeah that that is my story. At least the cliff notes. You know. <laughs> um and then you could have started from nineteen seventy from the seventies, huh? Yeah, I could have started from the seventies, you know what I'm saying? Nineteen seventy eight, you know what I'm saying? Before Hamilton Hospital. I could have started way back then, but um I could have talked about my past life. I got a little bit of information from my past life. So right. I could have even went back to then, you know. Right. So, but uh, but then, like O'Shane said, next week we're going to get into his journey. And um, I would like to hear from, from you guys. We would like to hear from you guys. Tell us about, you know, your journey. Tell us about where you are. Have you started yet? Are you looking to start your journey and you don't really know where to start? You know, let's let's have those discussions. You know, I could tell you if nothing else that you already started. You might not feel like you started, but you've already started. Right. Yeah. 
now it may be time to to take it to the next level. You know, just start somewhere. Study any religion. Study any spiritual system. You know, start actually studying the one that you practice or at least the one that you claim to practice. Start there. And start really being intentional about your journey. Because it's happening whether you realize or not. Because that's what life is. Like I always say, like I always end it. Life's a journey. Don't forget the map. Till next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Who Made Y'all Priest podcast. We would love for our listeners to interact with us. So leave us a voice message on the Anchor app or send us an email at wmyp at yahoo.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend.